So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe for that Jar Jar Banks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Durasmo and with me is Eric Walensky. Hey folks, how's it going? I'm sure it's going great. Everybody I'm sure is super excited to celebrate our Independence Day with this series of films. Independence Day. We're going to take this July 4th and turn it on its head, talking about the original 1996 epic, Roland Emmerich's Independence Day, and then discuss what happened 20 years later in 2016 when Roland Emmerich came back to Independence Day with Independence Day Resurgence. So, Eric, what are your memories of seeing Independence Day back in theaters the July 4th weekend or around that time? Well, I worked at a movie theater back then. So uh, the years uh, from June 1994 until May of 1997, that was my sweet spot for watching movies. I saw everything that came out during those years, and it was awesome. And uh, Independence Day... We were super duper excited for that one. I couldn't wait. I mean, I was all I, I was all over that movie. Yep. Yep. I, I mean, Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, like the whole cast. Everything I saw in the trailers was incredible. Uh, the spaceships swooping through in the daytime, mm-hmm. not with you know, not clouded up and cloaked in the in the darkness of space, where you can kind of cheat a little bit on the CGI. I mean, this was broad daylight. That was a that was a big deal. I saw like two or three different makings of how they talked about making those spaceships look seamless uh, against a blue sky. Mm-hmm. That was uh that was some big deal CGI at the time. Yeah. And then sure. uh yeah. And then the movie came out and uh I I was I was underwhelmed, honestly. I didn't I didn't hate it. I just did not like it as much as I thought I was going to. You you remember the movie Mars Attacks? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was out around that time. It either came out after it or before it, but within a a short span of time there. And I cared more about the characters in Mars Attacks than I did about Independence Day. <laughs> I I just remember just like some of the subplots were just like, oh, come on, who cares? We're the aliens. Let's go. And, uh, of course, you know, classic lines like, doesn't anybody have any missiles left? <laughs> yep. That's, that's, that's my go-to. That's my go-to expression whenever things are just like, you know, having a bad day or, you know, 
trying to get something done and it's like things just aren't working and i'll just say doesn't anybody have any missiles left (laughs) (laughs) that's great (laughs) now i'm not saying there weren't parts of it that i didn't i didn't enjoy uh i mean i definitely i thought will smith was awesome i really did like bill pullman as the president um you can't not like jeff goldblum in his role in anything he does Oh, for sure. And it was just some of the some of the sillier elements, you know, Randy Quaid and his whole mm-hmm. alien abduction subplot and hello yeah. boys, I'm back. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. Hey, here's something. Did you know in one of the original audience screenings for that movie, Randy Quaid actually came in that final scene, and I think you can find it on YouTube in a in a biplane. Yes, in his, I've in seen his, that. Yes, in his crop duster, yep. among all of these alien spaceships and fighter jets, here he <laughs> comes swooping in, and it just test audiences hated it, and it and it kind of looked ridiculous. Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen it. I don't know if it's on the deleted scenes of the Blu-ray or if uh, it's just I've seen it over the years on YouTube. Yeah, it's that's a riot. It, it just looks so so silly. And then even in the movie, he was in his fighter jet and. And that was okay. He's like, I'm right here, Mr. President. See, I was like giggling like mad at all of this stuff. Like, this is insane. This is ridiculous. And then uh, Judd Hirsch, I love Judd Hirsch, but, you know, oh, Area 51. Ah, what do you mean? What do you, what about this? What about this? And it's, it's, well, a hammer costs $150. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, yeah, talking simple man stuff. And it's supposed to be funny, but it's ridiculous considering yeah. if I'm supposed to really buy that aliens have invaded Earth and we're listening to Jeff Goldblum's dad. <laughs> so so that, that was my initial take on it. I, I didn't hate it. I just I just I couldn't really connect with too many of the characters and and I oh I absolutely did not buy that alien spaceships are mac compatible Mm -hmm. yeah that did not sit well with me i mean come on we have trouble hooking up our iphones to get them charged (laughs) anymore if you don't have a mini usb it just made for great cinema right it's it is a true action summer blockbuster popcorn flick there's 100 there's a lot of good there's a lot of stupid just like almost any other one of those movies the characters are so memorable Will Smith, like you said, Will Smith's character, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, and Bill Pullman's character, the three of them, it is like a, a trifecta of summer goodness. For sure. You would have been 13 when this came out? Uh, no, no, no. I was 15. It was the prime time for me in my youth because 15, all I wanted to see were things blowing up in, you know, in 96. And I, I just immediately fell in love with will smith's character i liked fresh prince of bel-air i used to watch him on that all the time and i didn't know how i was going to feel about seeing him in an action adventure movie but did he prove that he could you know star on the on the big screen he was like a force to be reckoned with yep he had bad boys out before that so i knew he was going to be incredible yeah but bad it's like bad boys is like niche cinema you know it's it was the year before this, right? Yeah, it, I believe it was 95. Yeah. So it's it's good and it's fun and it's exciting, but it's very similar to a lot of police buddy cop action movies where this is something, it's a whole different genre. It's sci-fi, it's action, it's adventure. It's just, it's bigger. It's more epic. Oh, for sure. And so this, this is what solidified that like Will Smith can carry anything for me. 
I just knew, you know, watching him, he was my new favorite character in movies from the lines he said when he was dragging the alien behind him and <laughs> he started kicking it and yelling at it and screaming at it. Um, it, I just, I loved it. Every, every minute of film that he was in, I loved. He had a great dynamic with Harry Connick too. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I like that. I like Harry Connick. Uh, he was good. Like I said, there were, there were definitely some good parts of it. And, and here's what's funny about this movie for me is over time, the more viewings I've watched, uh, I like it more and more and more now because of the cheesiness. I've embraced the goofy, does anybody have any missiles and, and uh, Area 51's where they keep the aliens and, and uh, Harvey Firestein and it's, I've got to call my mother, David, David. It's just fun. It's just fun, a fun film. It was the first time, I think, well, maybe not the first time, but on this grand CG scale that we saw these huge icons of architecture blown up. And it, it's the first time, for me at least, you know, like I said, I was 15. The first time that I saw a movie where I was like, wow, if if aliens came to Earth, like the White House means nothing. The Empire State Building means nothing. The Eiffel Tower means, you know, all these, all these buildings could mean nothing in a huge fight like this in real life. Mm-hmm. It's just some plaster and some concrete and it, it, it means something to us in our, in our, countries but could be gone like that Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's the first time you could really see a spectacle that actually blew up the white house i think i i don't know if there's another or i can't recall if there's another but i mean this was like the one and that was main in their marketing right they showed the white house blow up the only white house being destroyed that i can think of off top my head is superman 2 when zod tore the top off of the uh the Oval Office, mm-hmm. and then Superman replaces it at the yeah. end with that. Sorry, Mr. President, I've been gone. Mm-hmm. Won't let it happen again. Yeah, but here's the top of your <laughs> office. But it's still not the same as like this, right? The whole building is no, gone. no, no, no. For sure, and for sure. I'm from New York, and I saw this movie an hour north of New York City, and the Empire State Building blows up, and all of these blocks of New York City are gone and decimated. And that, like, it hit a chord with me. I was like, oh man. This is amazing. Can you imagine? It's both scary and exciting at the same time, you know, because it's just a movie. But whew, what if? Yeah, it was great. Great spectacle and everything. I just was hoping for a little more substance in the the dialogue and, and some of the plot. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, but they really did leave the best to Jeff, Will, and Bill. They had any line that they said was either – made to be copied or made to be iconic. Bill Pullman's whole speech still to this day is one of the best speeches that I've ever seen on film to unite people. Mm -hmm. It is just an iconic speech. And no matter what, when I think about Independence Day, there are two movies that I think of. When July 4th comes around, it is Jaws and it is Independence Day. And when I think about July 4th coming, I always hear Bill Pullman in my head saying, we celebrate our Independence Day. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, that's, it's definitely up there in the top movie quotes. So 20 years went by. There had been talk of sequel, a sequel to Independence Day for years, but nothing panned out in the 90s. 
And it kind of just faded away in the 2000s. I don't know when it started coming back up again, if it was 2010, 2011, when they were like, oh, we're 15 years out, let's start trying to bring this back. But I, I just remember in like 2014, they said, all right, we're moving forward. And Will Smith said he would only do it if he got paid a ridiculous amount of money and they would sign him on for two movies. The studio said no. Well, they should have paid him. They <laughs> should have paid him for sure. And they should, they would have then had to make two movies, right? The, the way the IV2 left off, they make it seem like there's going to be a third one. Yeah, yeah. They had all the intention to, but without star power or a good script or good action or characters that you care about, they couldn't pull it off. Knowing that Will Smith was out, then why did they write it like a cliffhanger like that? We're going to take the fight to them. That really, that's that's a very specific call for a sequel. It sure is. I, the whole movie is setting up another movie. The, the entire film, there's things that happen that are encapsulated within, the, within Independence Day Resurgence, but it's very few items that are encapsulated just in that movie. Bill Pullman's arc is completed in that film, and Judd Hirsch's arc seems to be completed in that film, but every other character that they introduce or that is carried over from a past film is meant mm-hmm. to continue. They just really thought the movie was going to do a lot better than it did, obviously. Independence Day 1 opened... Its opening weekend was over $50 million for U.S. box office. Independence Day Resurgence, which was 20 years later, and you have to think ticket prices have probably tripled or at least doubled, and it made $41 million in its opening weekend. Mm. So adjusted for inflation, it did really poorly. So they just expected the film to just really blow the roof off, and it obviously didn't. No. All right, so you'd seen Resurgence a couple years ago, and and we did a we both did a refresher. I watched it yesterday. You watched it today to catch up and and kind of refresh everything that I tried to flush out of my brain from watching it in twenty sixteen. So, what were your impressions of the film uh, now, thinking back about it, and then thinking about it for this podcast? Well, as I said, having watched the Independence Day, the original, so many times, and having more of a a love for the film even in its cheesy moments, I accidentally set myself up to think that this was going to be as good in the same vein. But the comedy to me just seemed even, even worse. I mean, Dr. Oaken is scratching his butt. Did we need that? The fact, and, and, and you can see it too. It's not even just that he's scratching his butt. It's that he's wearing white underwear that are see-through. Oh, right. I don't know why we needed to call attention to that. Well, actually, I think I do know why. One detail that I don't think I noticed the first time I watched the movie, uh, there were four writers. Anytime you go above two writers <laughs> for a movie, you're yeah. done. Rampage came on the other night, and as the credits rolled, four writers. <laughs> I'm like, well, there you go. Yep, that'll do it. What whatever sticks, it's spaghetti on the wall, right? Whatever sticks always isn't the best idea, right? I, I still can't even say I just hated the the resurgence. It it's still I thought Bill Pullman, as you mentioned, his uh, his presidential arc was was really good, and I thought he was solid. I, again, you can't not like Jeff Goldblum; he was fun. 
Uh, I liked uh, the picture of Will Smith. That that made me smile. <laughs> the picture in the White House. <laughs> it's like, hey, he's not in it, but remember, he was in the other one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. It was kind of a neat surprise to see uh, Brent Spiner's Doctor Oaken character come back because he pretty much you you don't know that he's dead for sure uh, in the first one, but that alien chokes him out and does the whole talk through the voice box trick. And yep. then he just discards him, and and you don't see him yeah, you're again. You're made to assume that he's you're dead. made to assume that he's dead. So the fact that he was alive, I was like, okay, I can go for that. Until he started talking, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is mm-hmm. this is rotten. He's the Jar Jar Binks of resurgence <laughs> for sure. And I love Brent Spiner. Is he or is Judd Hirsch? <sighs> well, Judd Hirsch. I love right from the get go. He's complaining that he doesn't have grandkids and it's like, ah, somebody's going to find mm-hmm. some orphans and he gets a whole bust full. Yeah. <laughs> a busload of them. Oh, what a bumbling idiot though. Yeah. They make him be like in the first movie. He was, although he was there purely for comic relief and a lot of it didn't hit. There were times where it did hit and those moments made him worth it to be in the movie. I agree. In this film, I didn't see any reason that he should be in it. Not really. He was truly a plot device to bring in a different perspective of people, of normal people, right? That haven't been affected by this before. Right. And that's what those kids were meant to be. They were meant to be the plot device that moves this along and shows us how normal people in the world are dealing with the aliens. Right. But it, it just, it didn't, hit well especially this is the biggest problem i had it i had with it last night when i watched it again i had to say out loud weren't they just on the east coast right wasn't his boat in the east coast and the kids were driving a car from like florida or somewhere they drive somehow within 12 hours four hours to area 51 in nevada yeah even if you drive all night that's what 40 hours from new york I'm going to map it right now. <laughs> but he, they must have been somewhere on the East Coast, right? Because he's in a boat, and we know that the alien ship comes over the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm pretty sure you see the New York skyline behind him, right, at one point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's from Brooklyn. He never left Brooklyn. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's a forty exactly a 40-hour drive from New York to Nevada. Look at you. They got one of those new alien technology cars, I guess. Which, that's another thing. There's so many weird little things about this movie, but the way that they used the alien technology to beef up everything that they that they had, not just their helicopters and not just their airplanes or their guns, but also their TVs, mm-hmm. right? They did that whole Independence Day 20-year anniversary thing, and they showed this huge screen, and on the back of the screen, there were these bluish-colored lights which means that it's being powered by alien technology mm-hmm. like everywhere that they could throw in Ooh, right. we got better because the aliens were here they did and i feel like that cheapened it a little bit i had a tough time believing that all of that could have happened in 20 years because they make a very deliberate point of saying it's the alien technology that allowed us to rebuild so fast mm-hmm. i just still don't know if they could have gone that it, it, they couldn't figure out the spaceship from area 51 right in all of those years that yep. they had it from the 50s 
And now in 20 years, they've made helicopters powered by alien technology. There's a mm-hmm. space base on the moon. <laughs> they have some kind of satellite or, or a base somewhere by Saturn. On Saturn, right. Yeah, because and there's artificial gravity. And I mean, just so much stuff that yeah. they did. It's basically their excuse to cut corners yep. Yep. with the plot. And that was, I think, writer number two's decision. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So I'll tell you, Phil, and this will come up a lot when we're talking about all of these uh, things that may or may not have ruined our childhood in the reboots and remakes and such. But the one thing that's going to kill your movie is having mm-hmm. four writers Another thing that's going to kill your movie, and you see this all the time with sequels, it got way too plotty and convoluted. There was too much going on. There was no need for uh, Will Smith's son to not like Liam Hemsworth. That dynamic added nothing to the movie except you had to explain and explain and explain it. Yep, they had to show the video of what Liam Hemsworth's character did. Right. That's too much backstory. It's just and that's what we're going to find with just so many of these movies where you're like, "Oh, ooh, well we got this." Well, and you know, or you end up taking the Star Wars route and it's, "Well, we'll explain that in a book we're going to write next year." Well, it's it's like they they cast the film and they told everybody what part they were playing, but they told them they were playing a different, a part for a different movie. Like Liam Hemsworth's character, and then his buddy Charlie, whoever that actor is. It's like they were told they were in they were in the remake of Top Gun, because Liam Hemsworth is Maverick and Charlie is Goose, and that's how they play their characters. They wisecrack with each other. They're Liam Hemsworth is a hotshot pilot, and Charlie kind of takes it a little safe, mm-hmm. and that's the movie that they're making. And then. Will, um, you know, the character who's Will Smith's kid, he is told that he's in, he's in Independence Day too, but it is a direct sequel to the first movie in that there's been nothing that's changed except he's now his father. He's Will Smith, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't do it as well as Will Smith. No. And then of course the daughter of the president. So the little girl that we saw in the first movie has grown up and works for the new president somehow, but she used to be a fighter pilot with Will Smith's kid and with Liam Hemsworth's character. Mm -hmm. It was too convoluted. It was overwritten. So they had to over explain with just, which just took time. The movie was two hours long and it didn't need to be two hours long. No, trying to explain what happened to earth and all that time and taking it into the future, I think was a mistake. I think a more interesting movie would have been if Earth was on the cusp of harnessing a new technology and then the aliens come back and now you have to kind of rush your training process. Mm -hmm. That way it's almost like an even fight. It's sort of like Rocky when he fought that young kid in the movie Rocky and the young kid breaks his hand. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of evens the odds. Well, this would have sort of been a a true remake. Here come the aliens again, but this time we've got your technology. So we're fighting on the same 
level playing field versus before we had to just fight with our own nuclear bombs and, mm-hmm. you know, we ran out of missiles. And our, and our Mac. And our Mac, right. So I think that could have been a more interesting, what what would a world do to rebuild from, from such devastation? Mm-hmm. And here we are, we're going to celebrate that we're going to first do this and... And I think you could have had a more interesting movie from that perspective. But Agreed. That's just Agreed. me. Nobody asked me. Nobody ever does. No, they never do. I am, though. And, and I do want to know what, what your thoughts were on the Alien Queen storyline. Because this film went from an Independence Day movie to a kaiju movie very quickly. Yeah, yeah, it did. It, that was all kinds of ridiculous. And it was unsatisfying. In both aspects. Oh, oh totally. Because the, when they blew the suit open, she just died. And that was like, mm-hmm. it just, it, it didn't have the, the impact, especially the fact that you killed off Bill Pullman in a, I'm going to do this for you, dear. And whoops, oh, that didn't work. Yeah. That lacked a emotional punch too. It's like, ooh, well, you just wasted yourself. Yeah. I forgot that the alien queen like came out. I don't know how I forgot it because it's the most ridiculous thing in the whole movie uh, amongst a ton of ridiculous things. Her running after a bus is the most ridiculous thing in the movie. I completely forgot. So when Bill Pullman gave his speech and then tricked his daughter and got on the plane and flew there and then his daughter was beside him and she helped lead him to get to the queen, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is great." And then when it didn't work, I felt cheated. Mm-hmm. I felt like I, it, I was so let down. I was like, this movie, maybe I didn't remember this correctly because this might actually redeem some of this movie for me. And nope, it just made it even worse because it didn't do anything. His death for one of the best characters in 90s film meant nothing. And then we had to listen to a magic cue ball go on and on and on about what these aliens do and why they're trying to stop <laughs> them and how he's the last of his race. And then, oh, but we'll take you to a planet where we train people how to fight. They want us to lead their war. Oh, my goodness. All of it from a talking Siri machine. Well, I don't know. We've, we've gone a little too deep into this film, and it's we didn't even talk about some of the worst parts like Liam and Charlie and... Will Smith's kid and the Asian woman, the Chinese model who's in this movie just so that Chinese patrons would go see the film, which actually it worked because she's a huge actress and model over in China. And the movie like opened at $104 million in China. So whatever they did to market her in the movie worked. But when they got caught in the in the spaceship, when they went in and made that run that you were like, oh, this this is going to do it. But then they get in and their missiles don't work and they fall and the aliens are chasing them through this weird ecosystem inside their own spaceship. Just, <laughs> I, there's so much wrong with this film. Well, it's like, again, like you said, there, there you had the characters acting in different movies. Mm-hmm. Well, then that became its own movie. Yeah. Like stranded on an alien planet, except it's an alien spaceship yep. that looks like a planet. It's like a Vietnam movie, right? At that point, because that's what all Vietnam movies, right, are like, right? They're all in high grass and they're hiding in the water, and then they have to fight the bad guys. And my thought was, is that water? What? It's an alien spaceship. Who knows? That's true. That's true. That could have been their waste. <laughs> I really thought about that. It's like you're just taking it for granted. 
that that's I, I kept hearing guy from Galaxy Quest, you know, is there air? You don't know. Is that water? It looks like water, sure, but you don't know. Yeah. And they pull Will Smith's kid pulls Liam Neeson's character underneath the water and they look at each other underwater, but that might not have been water. I didn't even think about that. It's Disgusting. very, very clear urine though. Yeah. I will yeah. I will concede that. It just makes me more angry the more I think about it. Here's another thing that's frustrating, and I, I swear we'll stop talking about this in a, in a minute, but they brought us over 20 years. We never went to this spaceship in Africa, but now we're allowed to go there, and they give this whole reason because the warlord died, and the son, who's the new warlord, is much more open to sharing information, right? So they, they set that up. Mm-hmm. but. We don't know until the day before an invasion that they were drilling to our planet's core. And now we've learned right. that that was their whole purpose, to drill to our planet's core 20 years ago. Right. And they were doing it in Africa, and now they're doing it in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. Like you said, too many writers tried to over-explain and expand this universe, and they just made it more complicated and more convoluted. That's why I think a a more realistic movie would have been it's 20 years later. We've, we've learned some, we've learned enough. We can build their ship. We can use the fusion generator or whatever. And it's just taking off. It's, you know, the 20 year anniversary of our victory. And then it's also Mm -hmm. going to be the first time we launch spaceships and here's the new fleet. And, and, Oh crap, here come some aliens. Well, it's Mm -hmm. a good thing. We're, you know, been testing these things and now we really got to go at it that's smart that's a smart way to do it and they still could have explained how will smith how his character died they explained that he died in a throwaway line right by testing the new jets with that technology but they could have explained it even better here by saying we had to stop building this because captain hiller died and we needed to really work out the kinks. We don't want to lose any more men. You know, they could have really expanded on it if they're doing what you just said. Exactly. Exactly. Because they, they already threw that in there. So I guess to wrap this up, did Independence Day resurgence ruin what you knew from Independence Day? It didn't ruin it. It just didn't do a great job of expanding. It was way too complicated Again, any movie that hops mm-hmm. around in five yeah. different locations in the first 15 minutes of a movie, it, you're, you're dizzy. You need to focus. You need to establish who your characters are. But they're flashing from the hospital to the moon <laughs> to Africa to uh, Judd Hirsch in a retirement home wishing he had grandkids. It's like, stop it already. But no, it just didn't expand on it. I think I think seeing Bill Pullman come back again, the second half of Bill Pullman, not the first weird half where he's half crazy, half got things in his head. That 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 too just kind of was a weird form of PTSD to be having. Hey, I agree. It it feels like Roland Emmerich, who did a pretty good job directing the first movie, was looking for too much and the editing in this just takes you out of the film because there's too, like you said, too much going on and there's too many cross cuts right when something important is happening, they go somewhere else Mm -hmm. and it's something silly happening. Mm -hmm. And then they, right when that something silly has hit its funny part, 
they cut to something else that's now super serious. And right when the super serious is hanging heavy in the air, they jump back to the action. And it's just a very odd way that this film was cross cut that did it ruin the first movie for me? No, I love independence day and I watch it almost every year. Like I said, independence day in the very beginning of this, I said, independence day comes around. I think of two movies, jaws and independence day. And I generally watch both every around every July 4th weekend, but I will never watch independence day resurgence again. And I would be better left to pretend it didn't happen. I'm willing to give it one more shot. And I I think I'm going to watch it again tomorrow, just so I can really feel all of the things that I thought were really bad. Because the same way in the first movie, the things I thought were bad, I think are funny now. And it makes for a very fun, cheesy movie. I'm, I'm willing to give this one one more try and maybe maybe I'll find a little more redemption there and I can enjoy them both. All right. Well, I mean, maybe I will someday too. I doubt it, but I, I think, you know, I already said I, I won't, but maybe a couple years from now, it's been four years since I watched it the first time, maybe four years from now, I'll want to try it again. But I just don't think any of this stuff that I find cheesy or bad will be funny for me. You know, and that's just, no. that's just me. I, I know I'm not going to either. But I'm going to give it that one more try. And one last thought. I know this is unrelated. We're wrapping up. But the fact that we followed Will Smith's son's character, to me, was almost a constant reminder through the whole movie that Will Smith was not in it. Mm-hmm. I think that was another mistake. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, we didn't even say but Vivica Fox dying, too. That was It was like a weird plot point that didn't need to be in it because – they touch on it for a second, and then he goes off and he's laughing and joking and fighting. Oh, for sure. You know, it's, it, it was the pacing, right? The pacing is just weird. Yeah. She died in plot convenience theater, too. Right. Right when he was there. Right when he <laughs> flies his jet up, she happened to be evacuating a pregnant woman on the top of a building? Like, right at that moment. And they were the last two people in the hospital. I know. There's not even a crowd of people that he's got to, like, circle, like, eight times. Is that mom? <laughs> Is that my mom? <laughs> nope. Just the only person up here. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no room in his fancy jet. Like, just to ferry her away real quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have just left the top up and just landed real Jump quick. On. Yeah, right? Plot convenience theater. You bring up another point, too, about he runs off and fights, and he's so happy, and he's joking and everything, and then it's a happy ending. And But it's the same thing with the first one, though, where that little girl, like, aliens destroy the world. Her mom dies, and at the end, it's like, yay! Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo! Fireworks! You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Give this kid a chance to grieve. I think with that, we've talked quite a bit about this film, a lot more than we thought we were going to. Yeah. So I would like, like we've said, we both said this didn't ruin our childhoods, but uh, it's definitely not a movie I never, I ever need to watch again. And you'll give it one more shot. So we'll see how that goes. I'm giving it one more. Yes. All right. So we want to thank everybody for listening, uh, tuning in to this podcast ruined my childhood. And uh, Eric, where can these people find you? outside of this podcast they can find me on my other podcast everything anything and nothing really it's on youtube 
It's on Podbean. It's on iTunes, wherever podcasts are sold. Very good. Very good. And uh, for me, you can find me on the Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok at Fildimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. And I sometimes am a guest host on several different podcasts in the Real Fans for Real Movies Network. If you go search on any of your podcast listening devices, just for Real Fans for Real Movies, Disorder, which is every Disney film in order, Grim Grinning Hosts about theme parks, and Holy Batcast, all about Batman. So thanks everybody for joining, and once again, we hope this podcast didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood This podcast ruined my childhood Good morning In less than an hour Aircraft from here will join others from around the world And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind Mankind, that... Words should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day.